Music, news, entertainment. It's all right here. This is The Kelly Alexander Show. Hey, it's Kelly Alexander, and joining us on the show this week is Juno Award-winning artist Stephen Page, who is a former member of the Bare Naked Ladies and who for several years now has had a very successful solo career. East Coast artist David Miles drops in to chat about his latest single, which is called Not This Time. We chat with our social media editor and resident blogger Jeffrey Davies about songs from A-list artists that were supposed to be singles but were later abandoned. And of course, we review some new music for you. This week it's from Shawn Mendes, Maddie and Tay, and Louis Tomlinson. But first, let's welcome Stephen Page to the show, who is currently on tour supporting his latest album, Discipline, Heal Thyself, Part 2. Stephen, thank you for joining us on the program. Thanks for having me. Stephen, when you were a kid, did you know that a career in entertainment and music was was for you? Oh, gosh, I don't know. As a kid, I think there were lots of other things other than being a musician that I think I wanted to be. They were all in the arts and entertainment. Like I, I remember as a little kid wanting to be a cartoonist, you know, I wanted to be an actor. I wanted to be a writer. I just don't think I ever thought I was good enough at anything to be a musician. It wasn't really until I started doing it that I realized that this was something I was good at. Okay. I mean, I loved singing. I sang in choirs and stuff at school and it was really important to me, but I never thought I was like a professional. Did you have, um, like when it kind of became evident to you that this was the direction you were headed, like, did you kind of map out things or it was just really like it was one day after another and then things kind of fell into place? Um, you know what happened was I I met Ed Roberts and I had, I had been writing and recording with a friend of mine, uh, my best friend from school, and we'd made, written all kinds of songs and it was just purely for the joy of it. Um, you know, like when other kids would... You know, when their parents would go away for the weekend, the other kids would have parties and get drunk and stuff. And his, uh, my friend Jeff and I would uh, spend the weekend renting a four-track cassette uh, recorder and a bucket of shit and we'd make up songs and record them. Um, so that was a fun thing to do on the side. And then, But the moment I met Ed Robertson uh, at a music camp that we were working at, he came up to me one day and he was singing one of the songs that I'd recorded with my friend Jeff when I was 18 at the time. And, uh, you know, I started singing with him and then we found other songs we knew in common and started singing. And right away, the way our voices blended and the way we could harmonize effortlessly, it was, it was kind of undeniable. I think it was at, at that moment, it was like, oh, this is something amazing because it felt so good and it sounded so good. So it wasn't until then that I realized this is what I wanted to do. And even then, like we, we treated it like it was a joke. Like it wasn't a real thing. Um, you know, it was almost like our fake band. And then we started doing gigs and people liked it. And then within a couple of years, we got offered a tour across Canada. And I was in university doing a degree in English and thinking, I'll be a, I'd like to be a writer. Maybe I'll be a, teacher along the way or a professor or something like that but then we, we start touring and then we start growing and all of a sudden this thing is taking up all of our time and it just keeps getting bigger and bigger and um you know my dad sat ed and me down for uh, a little meeting and said guys why don't you take a year off school and see how this goes and decide after that whether this is what you want to do with your future. 
you know, even in the short term, uh, or not. And so we did, and we never looked back. It wasn't until I was in Bare Naked Ladies that I realized I wanted to be a musician. And when everything sort of was on that crazy wild ride for you, Stephen, were you able to enjoy it, or were you sort of in a bubble just trying to get to the next gig and get through the next event or whatever you guys had planned? Oh, there was lots. There was lots that I enjoyed. I mean, there were, I have so many amazing memories of things that we, you know, early on we would try to have as many experiences as possible. And, you know, when when you're 18 and 19, that uh, <laughs> means like going on water slides and go karts and like whatever, and sightseeing and meeting people and eating ridiculous foods and laughing. And, uh, you know, that stuff stayed with us. But as things started to grow, um, you know, I think as we as we got big, I felt like I maybe I didn't have my eyes open as much as I should have. Like I was more towards the horizon than I was enjoying the moment. I look back now and I think maybe I was a little hard on myself because I I do think that I I did soak up a lot of the good stuff too. But I did feel like at that point I did we did have a plan and. Uh, you know, we wanted to work hard and, and grow what we were doing and, and uh, you know, write more interesting, more challenging music for us and so on. So that was what, what I focused on. I actually wanted to ask you about your writing process because I find your lyrics, and I'm sure you've been told this a million times, but you're just so clever. Like, you have really a clever writing style. I'm just wondering, is that something that you always set out to do, or is it just sort of innately who you are? I think it was how I enjoyed writing music to begin with. Like, that was... That was how Ed and I really uh, related to each other, and you know that, that that was what we enjoyed about each other was the harmonizing and making each other laugh, and sometimes getting so um, intricate and kind of inside baseball with our with our wordplay and and uh, uh, high concept stuff. That was kind of how we saw. That's how we found the pleasure in uh, in writing songs, but you know, I, I think it's all my favorite writers take words and uh, and how the music reflects those words really seriously. And I think that was just always something that was exciting for me. Now, your latest album, uh, Discipline, Heal Thyself Part 2, how do you personally view this album? Is it a continuation of Heal Thyself Part 1, or is it something more than that? Well, it, it is a continuation. I, I had originally written basically two albums worth of material. Um, and when I was putting out Heal Thyself Part 1 in 2016, I thought, God, like 30 songs or even 20 songs is just too much. It's felt A, self-indulgent, and B, like um, it was a lot to ask of an audience to um, to digest all that music and get to know it if they're going to come to the shows and those kinds of things. And then very selfishly, I thought in this day and age, it's very easy for a record to come out and disappear within a week. <laughs> like all that work and all those songs, do I want to waste it like that? So let's find a way to split this in half. Um, but then fast forward a couple of years and I'm getting ready to put out part two. And of course, by then I have a bunch of new songs that I want to put on the record. And, uh, and I also have other songs that I, I don't really feel anymore. So they've dropped off. So it's a different record than I think I had set out to make. And I think a better one, but, uh, 
but it's not necessarily such a departure that I think it just reflects the things I learned in the in the in the years intervening. Joining us on the Kelly Alexander Show is award-winning recording artist Stephen Page. Make sure you uh, hop onto his website, stephenpage.com, for all of his social media handles. Stephen, I wanted to ask you, too, um, because cause if I understand things correctly, I think you split your time between Canada and the States, right, um, with with living? Yeah, I, li- I live in the States, but I, you know, I'm being Canadian. I work all the time in Canada, and that's where my uh, my kids are and my parents are and everything else, so I'm there all the time. Yeah, so I wanted to get your take, too, just, you know, in, in, in listening to, um, particularly to your song, White Noise, like, obviously, there's a lot going on in the current political climate and just how it's affecting the world. And so I'm just sort of wondering, I guess, with the, the, the climate that we're in, do you constantly have new ideas coming forth? Because it just seems like this is perfect fodder for you to keep expressing yourself because of the crazy uh, world that we're living in. Well, yeah, I guess, you know, when I moved down here, I felt like um, as somebody who had been very politically active in Canada, and, you know, I I, I think we in, in Brennan Ladies had realized early on that we had an opportunity to help causes we believed in and also inspire young people to, uh, to get involved with things. So we were always very uh, visible that way. When I moved away, I thought, well, I don't really have, I don't feel like I have the right to speak up about Canadian issues, and I can't vote in the United States, so does that mean I should say something or not say something? Like, it, you know, um, is it my place? And with the, with the way social media has uh, changed everything, it's made it even more uh, taxing, especially if you have thin skin like I do. So <laughs> I kind of shut my mouth for a few years. Uh, and then as I started watching things changing, and of course, like the white noise was was uh, written as a response to the um, Charlottesville uh, Unite the Right uh, rally where uh, all kinds of white supremacist violence happened and one young woman died and so on. And I looked at that and thought, this, you know, I'm not really the kind of person who just goes and writes a song about everything I get mad about. But I was so shocked and saddened by it that it just kind of came out. And I realized, oh, that's where that's where I can talk about this stuff is in my music. Cause that's the most honest reflection of of who I am. That's amazing. And uh, yeah, I just I, I the, the song really got to me. I just thought it was amazing, especially having you know seen what was going on with that um, particular rally, if you want to call it that last year and just very upsetting. So um I also, I guess, wanted to ask you, too, with regards to you being Canadian and now uh, being across Canada on, on your tour, heading out on this tour, and it's your first solo cross-Canada tour, from what I understand, how does it feel? Like, I just feel like you are such a revered Canadian musician. Like, there's certain musicians that we, as Canadians, just love and, and will look to. Like, I think Katie Lang is, is one of those. Um, I think that Brian Adams is one of those. I think Avril Lavigne, in her own way, is one of those. Mm-hmm. Like, how does it feel for you? Like, because I'm sure you get love across the country, <laughs> whether you're with Bare Naked Ladies or, or as a solo artist. So, do you feel like a particular way when you are back home in Canada? Well, you know, the interesting thing about being in Canada, and what I like about it, too, although... You know, there's certainly times when I think, okay, people, come on out to the shows. Because people, <laughs> people feel like they know you. Like, they've, oh, I saw him, you know, in 1990 with, when I when he played my high school or whatever else. Like, they feel like they feel so familiar that sometimes I think people don't, I don't know. It's not like they take you for granted, but I think they don't necessarily feel the specialness all the time. But at the same time, 
people are saying incredible things to me. Like they reveal memories of what my music or, you know, Bare Naked Ladies music has, has uh, meant to them and what it's like instances in, in their lives that they'll never forget people in their lives and so on. And that's like, that's a distinctly Canadian thing. I think it's part of the culture and, you know, I, it's weird to think that I'm maybe somebody like that, like, you know, like as Katie Lang is for somebody else that I might be, um, that kind of figure is, is strange for me because I'm just a guy who works singing and writing songs. And, uh, I don't put too much thought into kind of my standing in Canadian culture, but, uh, you know, I feel very much at home. So it's not like there's, I guess what I'm trying to say is there's not a lot of reverence. Um, and I wouldn't want it any other way. I think it's, you know, I think we see it in, uh, parts of the world, especially in the U S and, and, uh, the UK and so on where, you know, acts are kind of worshiped by the fans and it's unhealthy for, for both the artist and, and the, and the fans actually. I did want to actually to uh, touch base on the fact that last year you were able to uh, return to Canada and and be inducted into the uh, Canadian Music Hall of Fame with your boys from Bare Naked Lady Ladies. Um, I just wanted to ask you, I guess, in the moment when you were on stage with them and, and all that sort of stuff, how did it feel? Because I, you know, there's such love for you guys, and I know you obviously have a very successful solo career, but just to be back with them, especially performing with them in in, in almost a decade, it must have been truly special for you. Oh, it was amazing. Like again, you know. It, I don't think I spent very much time thinking that, you know, we were going to be the next in line to be in the hall of fame. And, and that's you know, when, when we were inducted um, at the hall itself, which is in Calgary, you know, I got to see the wall of everybody else that was on there. And there was only like 55 other people on there, including like Oscar Peterson and Rush and Leonard Cohen and Neil Young and Joni Mitchell. And there's us. It feels so surreal but uh, we did some pretty awesome things, like stuff that we're really proud of. And, uh, you know, I'm particularly proud of, of the achievements we had and all the things we did and the music we made. So for me, the opportunity to go and sing with that, those guys again and celebrate without any kind of weirdness or uh, baggage necessarily, because we were just concentrating on what we did together. Um, that was a really nice thing. And I think it was really healthy for me and, for, and hopefully for the other guys too. Well, just as a fan, if I can just sort of speak for all of us for a second, I just want to say that that it was just so great to have you guys back together, especially because in the current climate that we're in, I think so many of us are stressed out all the time, and especially not knowing where the world is headed. And just to have you guys back, especially for, I think, fans of a certain age, like it just made us sort of feel our youth again and feel like everything is going to be okay. So thank you for that. Oh, that's nice. Thank you. And uh, before I let you go, I just wanted to ask you too, uh, apart from completing your tour, are there other projects that you'd like your fans to, to know about that are, that are sort of upcoming for you this year and, and maybe beyond? Well, yeah, I've got the, the uh, Coast to Coast Tour of Canada through May, and then I'm traveling to the U.S. playing in, uh, in September. And then uh, uh, I've been working on a musical that I wrote with uh, Canadian playwright Daniel McIver. So... Uh, our hope is that that will end up on stage in the next uh, year or so. That's Perfect. Really, been a really exciting thing. That is awesome. Well, Stephen, I just, I, I just want to thank you so much for being on the show. It's, it's truly an honor to have you as a guest. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you so much. That's recording artist Stephen Page. Make sure to check out his website, stephenpage.com, for all of his social media handles.
Joining us on the program now is one of our social media editors and resident blogger, Jeffrey Davies. Jeffrey writes these fantastic blogs for our show, which you can find at kellyalexandershow.com, and we're very happy to have him stop by for a chat. Jeffrey, welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we're super happy to to have you. You've been on the team for several years now, and you do a lot of our social media, which we appreciate. So you can follow a lot of uh, Jeffrey's posts on our Instagram and uh, Facebook and Twitter, so at Kelly Alexander Show. And uh, he also again, blogs for us continuously at kellyalexandershow.com, which we're super excited about. And he also handles our newsletter, by the way, which is tinyletter.com slash kellyalexandershow. And uh, we wanted to get Jeffrey actually on the show, so we've convinced him to uh, come behind the mic. And uh, I guess that the topic we're going to talk about today is a recent blog that you did, which was entitled 14 Songs That Were Intended as Singles But Scrapped Later. So we're going to talk not about all 14 songs, because uh, we'd be here for three hours, but there's a couple <laughs> Of, of ones that really jumped out at me when I was reading your blog. And I was like, oh, yeah, for sure, we have to talk about this. So let's talk a little bit about uh, Fifth Harmony. Where do you want to start with them? Um, well, as people may recall, um, Camila Cabello left Fifth Harmony at the end of 16, and it was a very messy exit. That is a story for another day. But um, she released a song called Crying in the Club as her debut solo single in May of 2017. Um, she had done a few other... Uh, collaborations before that song um, while she was still in Fifth Harmony and then she released this song as her official solo single Um, it didn't do I don't think it did as well as people expected it to I think her fans really loved it but it wasn't like a big commercial success so she released that and then did a few other songs before eventually stumbling onto Havana which uh, as everyone will know is was a global number one hit Um, so after that success she decided to scrap all the other songs she had recorded up until that point in favor of a new direction for her debut album, which was like a much more of a, of a Latin pop kind of feel. Mm-hmm. Um, so that song has since become a bit of a, a, a bit of a cult classic, shall we say, among pop music fans, because it's not like it's, it's a bit generic in comparison to her debut album, which is like super unique and super like innovative, I find. But I find if you, if you listen to that song, it's still you still kind of get a feel for her as an artist. And it's just a fun dance song. Awesome. And yeah, I think I remember, not not that I think, I do remember when Crying in the Club was released. And we actually played it initially on the radio station I work for. But it was almost like a blip on the screen. We played it and then it was gone. And then uh, I believe also, Jeffrey, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but she even renamed the entire album, right? Because she just completely went in another direction. Because I think the initial title was something very sad, like... I'm alone, I'm sad, whatever. It was was some kind of (laughs) sad title. So It was, yeah. So Crying in the Club was initially supposed to be the lead single from her debut album, which was originally titled The Hurting, The Healing, and The Loving. Right, yeah. um, Which is pretty dramatic, let's admit. (laughs) Um, It it actually, it reminds me a bit of Gwen Stefani's um, debut album, which was like Love, Angel, Music, Baby, like with periods in between. Like that's how she wrote it. Like it was the hurting period, the healing, the loving sort of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So she'd, like she had gone on record saying like she wanted this album to be about, you know, from a time she felt lost to a time she felt found again and happy and so like crying in the club was supposed to be like supposed to reflect the melancholy side of that and then she also had another song that came out around the same time called i have questions which is like a a bit of a sad emotional ballad which i actually really like um okay and so like the, the music video itself for crying in the club was like a bit of an intro with i have questions playing 
as the sad part, and then crying in the club was supposed to be like the uplifting, like dance your tears away kind of thing. Oh, okay. Um, so she's, I think she's actually since said in interviews that she thought that was a bit of like a, um, like a glib, shallow attempt at a music video and a lead single. So she wasn't, she wasn't really into it after all. And then I think she, once she had scrapped everything and started fresh, she said she thought crying in the club and I have questions no longer represented the artist that she wanted to be. Okay. So well, thank goodness for Havana is all I can say. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> now I wanted to move you on to Gwen Stefani. And I believe if I can sort of, um, I guess, set up our little chit chat about her this way, this has a lot to do with with her divorce that came down sort of not out of the blue, I suppose, on on her end, but I think out of the blue because I think she thought, you know, she was going to be married to to Gavin for years. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely that that album was in, in particular was definitely inspired by her divorce. So she released in 2014 was 2014 was supposed to be her comeback, her solo comeback with um, new music. So she released a, a few singles, one of which was called Baby Don't Lie. And that was supposed to be the lead single from a new solo album that year. Um, and then, you know, a few months had passed and she said, oh, I'm still working on it. Um, you know, I'm slowing down the process because I want to get it right. And then later she said she scrapped an entire album she'd recorded in favor of starting fresh, in favor of starting fresh because she didn't feel fulfilled. Um, and then she like just said that in 2014, she was on The Voice as a coach, and so they thought, oh, let's let's have her do something in music, um, you know, just go in the studio, pump something out, and we'll put and we'll release it. Um, and so she said she didn't feel she didn't feel fulfilled doing that, and so she went back into the studio after her divorce. She, I'm guessing, found new inspiration with all the emotional difficulties she went through with her divorce, and eventually came out with an album in 2016 called This Is What the Truth Feels Like, mm-hmm. which um, a lot of Gwen Stefani fans, I think, were a bit um, alienated by it. Like, it was, it's kind of a bit more bubblegum um, pop than her, than her previous solo albums. So I understand why a lot of, like, Gwen Stefani or pop music fans thought it wasn't, like, the Gwen they, they grew up listening to, but I actually think it's one of her best albums and her most honest and yeah. raw yeah, I think it was great, and I think she wrote with Julia Michaels, right, on that, on a couple of songs. Yeah, I believe. for sure. It was a whole, yeah, it was a whole new, it was like a whole new just pop, general pop direction for her. I think in the past she'd kind of been, you know, hip hop and a bit of rap and uh, all different kinds of things, and there's a bit of that in, on that album too. But it's mostly mm-hmm. like just um, straight up down to earth pop music, which um, I happen to like, so that's why I like that album. Perfect. Now I wanted to move you on to Britney Spears. Now she's been in the news a lot lately, just with regards to her mental health. And I think a lot of us are concerned about her. And I really hope I saw this, you know, this photo of her uh, not long ago, um, where I guess, you know, TMZ managed to grab a picture of her leaving uh, the center that she had been in to get help with with some of her issues. And I, you know, send lots of love and light to her because, you know, it's funny, I was never like a massive Britney fan. But over the years, I just, I appreciate how she handles herself. And I think she has a good sense of, of who she is and where she comes from. And I think it's great how much her dad has helped her over the years to try to stay on the rails and all that sort of stuff. And I love how as much success as she's had, she seems to just want to live a normal life for the most part, like taking her boys to soccer, you know? So yeah, definitely. I'm, yeah, so I'm a big fan of hers and, and just how she's handled herself and, and again, want her to, to uh, you know, get through the situation that she's in and come out the other side. Can't wait for her to hit that Las Vegas residency. And uh, mm-hmm. so let's talk a little bit, though, about something from her Britney Jean album, which was 2013, a song called Alien. Yeah, so that was um, a song on the album. I think it was the opening track. Um, and it was, it, it was said to have been the planned third single from that album following uh, Work Bitch and Perfume, which were the first two singles. 
Um, but a third single was, not, was never released from that album. Um, I think Britney herself had, had even said um, in, in a documentary from that time that Alien was going to be a single, um, So and then it wasn't. But um, that song itself, I think, is simultaneously one of Britney's like, most personal offerings as an artist and also one of her most mocked songs just because like the vocals are kind of inconsistent um it just it kind of sounds like the song itself just sounds a little shaky and all over the place um but i think that that like that kind of goes along with the nature of the lyrics which are which are kind of just sad and reflective and honest she, she just says like she you know grew up feeling like feeling like an alien and she, you know she became a, a a massive superstar at a young age and just couldn't find her footing and she felt like an alien on her own planet Okay. So I thought, like, the song itself is, is like, pretty honest and open. Mm-hmm. But um, I think people kind of pounced on the, you know, auto-tuned vocals or just inconsistent production. And it's kind of gone, it's kind of gone down as, you know, a joke in her catalog. But it's, I think the song itself is really good. Now, I wanted to get your take on this before we wrap up our, our chat. You know, we are heading into the summer months in certain parts of the world, and usually there's at some point some sort of song of the summer. Like, I think last year, I'm not even sure if it was song, song of the summer or just song of the year, but like Despacito was played constantly. Mm. Oh, yeah. Um, Havana was one of those as well. I know, I guess the year before that, it was, uh, you know, Justin Timberlake's, why am I forgetting it, um, the name of that song now? It completely just left my head. Uh, the one <laughs> from the movie. Stop the Feeling. From, yeah, that's it. Can't Stop the Feeling. And uh, yeah, it just seems like every year there there is something that, that carries through, especially for that that summer jam. So in your mind, as we head into, again, warmer months uh, for a lot of us here in North America, do you have a thought as to what that song of the summer is going to be? It's difficult for me to, like, pick one song because most of the time, like, on the radio, there's one song that blows up and that, that's the one song that everyone sticks with and that's the song that everybody plays. You know, but in my head, there's just, like, so many like good catchy songs that come out all the time and may not may may not make it on the radio and then you know they don't get that that level of mainstream popularity that other songs get or the numbers on the charts but um i'm i'm actually really liking sierra's new song which which she just performed um at the billboard music awards which is called thinking about you which Mm -hmm. i think is really catchy and just like it has a really like bopping kind of energy to it so i don't know if if we'll end up hearing it on the radio um but I think that song itself is really high energy and fun. Awesome. And, you know, it's not going to be the song of the summer, but I just have to give um, her a shout out because it's more than I thought it was going to be. And it's um, Madonna's new track with Maluma, Medellin. Yeah. Uh, I just I know it's not some big club banger, although I think any remixers who get their hands on that are going to have a lot of fun. I'm sure there's already remixes out as we speak. Um, And I know a lot of people mocked her performance at the BBMAs, but it's funny because when I watched it, I was like, this is not... Because I didn't actually catch it sort of in real time. And mm-hmm. I watched it after. And I just seen all these reviews of people saying that, you know, basically making all these ageist comments and, and just stuff that I was very upset about. And uh, yeah. I thought she did a great job, you know. Uh, and it, it seemed like she was having fun. And I think if you're still having fun at 60 doing your job, then that's great. <laughs> so... Yeah. And the song is very catchy. So I think that that's, mm-hmm. you know... And then, and then of course, we have to bring up Taylor Swift because she knows how to craft a pop song. 
And so me is definitely going to be, I'm not sure it's got the song of the summer vibe, but I think it's definitely going to be around for a while. And she's completely brought back pastels. So, So that is something on her end to be proud of. So that's awesome. So Jeffrey, thank you so much for this. And uh, we appreciate that you you made time for us and and that you actually speak. (laughs) (laughs) I do speak. And I'd love to come back anytime you'd like to have me. Perfect. And don't forget, if you would like to uh, check out Jeffrey's writing again, it's all over our uh, website, kellyalexandershow.com. Some fabulous blogs up there. And then, of course, uh, lots of social media posts on our Instagram, at Kelly Alexander Show, and uh, on Facebook and Twitter is actually at uh, Alexander Show. And uh, yeah, we just can't wait to have him back on the show and to keep watching him uh, create all these amazing blogs. So, Jeffrey, thank you for this. Thank you for having me. The Kelly Alexander Show, bringing you fresh sounds like this. You know that I hate to admit it, but everything means nothing if I can't have you. That's not about you Can't drink without thinking about you Is it too late to tell you that Everything means nothing if I can't have you Canadian superstar Sean Mendez has made his fans extremely happy by releasing a killer new song called If I Can't Have You. The track was originally intended to be given to pop singer Dua Lipa, but it seems once Sean realized what a great song he had on his hands, he decided to keep it for himself. Wise decision. Sean, by the way, recently wrapped up the sold-out European leg of his world tour, and now he's got a bunch of other dates right around the planet, including in North America. How does he sleep at night? Mama, the nervous guy To leave me so easy Am I gonna be alright? I wanna kick myself for falling so hard Mama, can you die from a broken are two country singers who hail from Texas and Oklahoma. They met when they were still in high school and after graduating, they both moved to Nashville to start their music careers. Well, things have definitely worked out for them. The ladies just released a new EP called One Heart to Another and the song you're listening to is their single called Die From A Broken Heart. The song already has over 23 million streams and Maddie and Tay are going to be performing this new song to lots of fans when they open for Carrie Underwood on her Cry Pretty Tour 360 this summer. I will be the best of me, always keep you next to me, I'll be living one life for the two of us, even when I'm on my own, I know I won't be alone. One Direction's Louis Tomlinson has officially released this latest single called Two of Us, which was actually written to celebrate his mother, Joanna Deacon, who tragically passed away after a battle with cancer at the age of 43. Now the two of them were very close and you can tell in Louis' lyrics just how affected he was by her passing. The song, by the way, has already over 24 million streams worldwide and it sounds like Louis plans to have an album out before the end of the year. New music on The Kelly Alexander Show. Don't forget that you can subscribe to our show on major podcast platforms like Stitcher Radio, iTunes, Spotify, and Google Play. We're happy to welcome back to the show Canadian singer-songwriter David Miles, who's had great success in Canada, winning a Juno Award for Best Rap Recording of the Year for his collaboration with hip-hop artist is classified on their hit song, Inner Ninja. He's also picked up numerous awards on his own, like Songwriter of the Year at the East Coast Music Awards, and has released a children's book called Santa Never Brings Me a Banjo. David has recently released a new song called Not This Time, and is here to tell us all about it. 
David, welcome back to The Kelly Alexander Show. Thank you. Nice to be back. So, David, the last time we actually had you on the show, you were sort of at the tail end of the crazy surrounding uh, Inner Ninja and, you know, all, all the things that sort of came along with that. Were you actually able to enjoy the success of that song? Um, because it was such a whirlwind, I would say, for both you and Classified at that time. I think we were, we were having a great time. Like Luke and I, Luke being classified, and I became really good friends through that time, and we went on some great camps and did some amazing things. I don't think we understood the scale of it really until you step back. Like I often, I watched the Junos this year, and I was like, "Wow, I can't believe I played on the show," and I didn't feel like super nervous when I did it. When I was watching the show this year, I'd be like, I was looking at it going, "Oh man, I'd be nervous," and then I realized I'd already done it. It was just a funny thing. It's you do. It was such a whirlwind that you don't take stock that are happening. You're just kind of going from one thing to another and real and saying, "Go, let's go, let's go, let's go." But I think when you step back, you realize how special, you know, an event like that is. At a moment in time, you have a huge song. It just doesn't happen all that often. It's really, it's amazing. Do you think that Inner Ninja sort of helped pave the way for radio stations and other sort of things across the country to sort of embrace David Miles, the artist? Because uh, I know you had a lot of success as well. We played it all the time. For example, your song, So Blind. Yeah, oh yeah, that definitely opened things up for me. I mean, we're curious to know part of the song was, you know, people were kind of curious the voice was. And Luke took, I mean, I wrote the song with Luke, so Luke was like, yeah, of course, you're going to sing on it. But at the same time, there's probably a lot of people who would have been like, well, let's get a big famous singer. At the time, I wasn't super well. And so it gave me a lot of exposure. I mean, people were kind of going, you know, who's that guy like Bill Nye? And then they kind of, they were curious to know what the other music sounded like, and it definitely opened the door, for sure. Your latest song is called Not This Time. I wanted to know what's the uh, the theme behind the song, and did the track sort of come easily for you to, to write and produce? Well, the theme, this is a real, it's funny, because this song is totally a song of my time and place. I got two kids. I'm super busy. You know, I got young kids. I'm a dad. I still tool a lot. I'm working really hard. I kind of like that moment when you're going, oh my gosh, just give me a second. Like when you start to get to the point where you're ready to start saying no, you spend a lot of time of your life saying yes to everything. Then you start saying no. And this was a song that was kind of about, you know what? I'm going to start saying no and just taking a time for myself in a while or dreaming of that ability, dreaming of just taking it easy, sitting back and going, oh man, let's have a moment here. And uh, that's what the song was all about. It came super quick because it's so personal. I, the kids went to bed. I was sitting up late at night, and I just kind of wrote the song really good, and I sang it for Classified, and he went, I want to produce that song. And we hadn't worked in a bit together. And he heard that song, and he was like, no, 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 that's the song. I want to produce that song. And so I had other things on the go. I had other projects on the go, but I was like, you know, I really want to spend the time with Luke and get this song really going. Uh, so it was a blast. We had so much fun. And I feel like um, both you and, and, and Classified would, would totally, well, obviously you were embracing it because like you said, you're a dad of two daughters and I believe he is as well. So this seems like it was meant meant to be for you guys to work on this track together. It was. I think that's probably why it resonated. He's a three kid. I mean, there's a lot of people in our world, you know, at this age, I'm 37. So I think he maybe he's 40. You know, it's a, it's a funny time. It's real busy. But we also still like to chill. And so you, I think we all kind of understood that i think it resonated with that's why he thought it was a funny song that's why i kind of thought it was a good song as soon as i wrote it and so it was a re- it was something that hopefully a lot of people it will resonate with a lot of people 
And talk to us about the uh, the two artists that you have on there singing with you, uh, Rini and Mahalia. I've actually had Rini on the show before, but how did you decide to include them in the, in the song? Well, they've been they've been a part of what I do now for a few years live. We've been doing more and more live stuff. And from the beginning, they're from North Preston, Nova Scotia, which is just outside of Halifax. It's it's actually Canada's oldest uh, black community. It's an amazing community. And so it has been there in rural Nova Scotia for a long time. And uh, it's it's amazing. And their family is a very very part of this community. And I had met their grandfather years ago. He's the pastor of the church, and he's an amazing musician. And I kind of went, what is going on? Who is this family? And then I met Rini and Haley, and we started singing together, and I just felt like I had, I had just struck gold. I feel like they're the sweetest people. They're amazing music, natural singers, and they make me sound way, way better. And we get along great. Doing it for years, I wrote along, especially kind of the chorus and choruses. They were, I, I, I had them in mind from the beginning because I've been singing with them enough over the last number of years writing with them and Bob kind of going, okay, now, because what happened was before I would produce all this stuff before I knew about them and I'd record all the vocals, all the backup vocals and everything I kind of heard. And then when I found them, I said they would do them live way better than I would have done them on the record. I kind of went, oh, I wish I had them before. But now that I've kind of access to them and they're keen on recording and stuff, I just feel like I'm just so lucky. And uh, they're really, really special people. And so they totally... They're great singers, and they build up the track Wicked. I mean, it makes the choruses sound totally awesome. We have a blast. We've done lots of stuff. There's lots of stuff on YouTube of us singing together. We've been singing together for a long time, and it's, it's really... Joining us on the show is Juno Award-winning artist David Miles. Make sure to check out his website, davidmiles.com. David, I have to ask you this. Like, you are so busy. Not only do you have your solo career and, and then your dad on top of that, but then you wrote this, this book, uh, Santa Never Brings Me a Banjo. How in the heck did you have time to get that done? Well, that was a good... That was a good good one for me because you see i had already written the song so i had written the song and it was on my christmas album and it became kind of a hit for kids like this was the song especially around the maritimes i mean everywhere i went kids were telling me about this song schools were singing it it really was resonant and i was pumped about it it was a great feeling my daughter said to me one day we were reading a book i think we were baby beluga like a song that had been turned into book and she said well why haven't you turned Santa never brings me a banjo into a book and I said I don't know and so I called Sherry my manager and I said what do you think of this idea and she said that's a great idea and she called Nimbus the publisher and great idea actually the amount of work I had to do was limited because I had already written the words and so we had to just put the book together which was a bit of work but I was lucky enough an amazing illustrator in Halifax Murray Bain and uh, he he was just unbelievable. It was just amazing. And so uh, he involved, and he did the drawings, and he had done the video, but he had to redraw everything, and it just made a beautiful hardcover book for kids. That's fantastic. And, you know, you spoke of your manager just like a moment ago, and I wanted to ask you, um, again, in this sort of place and, and, and climate that we are in, a lot of artists these days have to be their own businesswomen, businessmen. So how is it like for you, David, to try to keep everything on the rails? I know you have a manager, but it, I'm sure you have to keep your hand in what's happening in all aspects of your career. Yeah, it's, it, is, it, is, it is different. I mean, I think I've, I am lucky. I've had this I've manager for 10 years. And uh, Sherry Jones is her name, and she manages Joel Plaskett and Gordy Sampson and Port Cities, and she's really, really capable and really cool. Um, 
but it's true as an artist, you, you do have to stay on everything and it's just the nature of the business. I was lucky because I was, I was, I, you know, I spent a number of years touring around Canada, started without a manager, without an agent. And I did, and I figured it out, you know, I figured it out, but I, I learned a little bit about it, learned about what it meant to book my own shows, to get the money at the end of the night, and to figure out what I needed to make a record and all those kind of things and apply for funding. And so I had learned a that kind of side of the business. And I feel like I was really lucky because at least I can, I can speak with a bit of a, some knowledge. I just gone right into having a manager from the beginning. I think it would be very difficult for me. The other thing is, is that promote your own, you know, you, you promote yourself a lot more now because of social media. You're not really just leaving it up to public else like that like a lot of it is on your shoulders to make sure that you're on social media and you're you're sharing what you need to share and your shows and your your songs and all those kinds of things. so there's there's definitely like the responsibility of the artist has broadened it's certainly not just you know singing songs and then showing up as a gig or you know writing songs and showing up as a gig definitely broader but i'm i am lucky because i work with really capable people and and i'm pretty i'm pretty keen and so i like being on top of everything anyways i probably would have been back in the 80s you know i think it's just kind of part of who i am i did want uh people to understand too this sort of element about you can you explain the significance of why you wear well-tailored suits on stage (laughs) well i'll tell you it's, it's well it kind of it goes back to my parents they they didn't really want me to be uh a musician they kind of knew been a possibility because I was obsessed with music my whole life. But my three older brothers are all doctors. They've all got on. Two of them have PhDs. One of them is a medical doctor. They're all really accomplished in their field, scientific fields. Long, and it looked like I was going to be a lawyer. I was really interested. I said I was going to go to law school. I studied political science. I decided not to go to law school. And I had to break it to them, and I told them that I'd wear it work every day so that's that's how it goes I've, I've just kept it real for them and and you know what I, I i'm actually pretty thankful for it now but at the time i was like you know i had to make a bit of a compromise i, I treat it like a real profession and now you know what i'm really glad the suit on and it, it, it for me it gets me ready for the show it's a really important part of it actually that's amazing. And I did want to ask you, I know that you're, uh, you're out on tour uh, for the next little while, uh, several uh, uh, spring dates. Um, what's coming up for you for the rest of, of, of 2019? Uh, the rest of 2019 is, is cool. Yeah, we're in Ontario right now, and then we come back, we go to California at the end of May, and then I'm making a new record in June uh, up in Toronto, and I'm really excited about that. And then uh, we're going to southern France in July. I'm playing in France. Um, which will be really cool and a big, big festival. And uh, and then we're um, throughout the summer. I'm playing around the Maritimes, and then in the fall I start touring again. I, I think I'm doing some dates through Beck. So I'm pretty I pretty much have the rest of the uh, already, which is good. Which is a good place to be. That's awesome. Well, we're so proud of you, and we're always happy every time you join us on the show. So thank you so much for doing this. Oh, thank you. I appreciate the show. Thank you. That's Juno Award-winning Canadian artist David Miles. Make sure to check out his website, davidmiles.com. Well, thank you so much for spending time with us on the program. We always appreciate it. And of course, a big thank you going out to our guests, Stephen Page, David Miles, and our Kelly Alexander Show blogger, Jeffrey Davies. My thanks as well going out to our super producer, Adam Brisson, for pushing all the right buttons. And don't forget that you can subscribe to our podcast on platforms like Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher Radio. We'd also love for you to check out our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Kelly Alexander Show. Have an amazing week. 
You and I will chat soon. The Kelly Alexander Show.